Hella Black, episode 131. On this episode, we're going to introduce a new segment. Uh, it's only going to run for this episode and this episode only, so y'all might want to screen record this, download this podcast, because it's history, and you might not hear this ever again. We're going to call this segment Delincey's Thoughts. I'm just trying to buy time until um, Boss gets done doing what he needs to do in order to prep for us to do this podcast and so he can make it in time to go train at Muay Thai, 12 o'clock. I think this is a really good introduction into the life of an independent, I don't know, if, I, mean, I guess we can call this creative, even though the objective is uh, political awareness and the building formation, the building information of an ideological understanding of revolutionary nationalism and the politics that govern the ideology. Um, but yeah, this is a, a look into some of the battles of, again, being a creative, where we have this very small window to record the podcast before the rest of life takes over. I wish I could just be, well, I don't wish I could just be that, but I'm, I was telling the people that we're starting a new segment called the Lindsay's Thoughts, and it will only run for this podcast only, so that they should screen record, download the episode, um, and that this segment came to be because I was waiting for you to finish doing what you needed to do in, in order to record this podcast before you go train Muay Thai. And then I said that this is a look into... Uh, the daily life. Trying to manage <laughs> as a... I didn't know if we would call ourselves creative, but I'm, I guess you are creative, even though the podcast, the point of it is to be creative in some sense, but it's political understanding and forming an ideology. To, to be a revolutionary, you got to create. Yeah, so... You know? Whatever tangent I was going we, we ain't on that neoliberal, oh, I'm a creative, yeah. uh, TikTok reels, all that. Uh. Or that to create is enough, you know. But whatever, this is just us trying to manage. You know, we got this little window where we can record the pod, trying to create, trying to cons be consistent with it, managing, again, excuse me, life and all the other endeavors. But we should... I do want to do a podcast, though. We do talk about Muay Thai. We get around here because... When I, whenever we go to Muay Thai, I just realized like how practical that, it, whatever form of self-defense and martial art you're doing, how practical it is. Because you get all these people who, again, we talk about revolution, we talk about the people's war, armed struggle, um, and we're just not prepared practically, right? Especially whenever we were like, the correct response to the state violence is like, we should be armed. We should be ready to engage in the state in the same way as they engage with us. But there are so many steps there. And when we get into Muay Thai and I see like former military folks in there, you feel me? And I see shit. You never know what side motherfuckers going to be on when it pop off. I'm just like, <laughs> am I really ready to go toe to toe with somebody who has experience? You feel me? That type of experience where we can't even throw a correct punch. Military experience. Decades of Muay Thai and decades of jiu-jitsu. Or you just get the little, you know, like the, the, white, you, the white boys that be up in there. Yeah. Like, is you really ready to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them? Just because you feel something strongly, it ain't going to matter to somebody <laughs> who know how to throw a correct punch. So while you online getting your tweets off, while you writing that paper, while you even handing out your meals, you need to make time to try how to defend yourself. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have, I think we should do that this August, have Ron on there, especially you know, with his birthday coming up. Probably just black, bust down like me, you and Ty or something. Yeah. Have him on there. We can pull up to a spot type of thing. But Hella Black, episode 131. Like, subscribe, download, wherever you begin your podcast from. Go to our Patreon. 
Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash hellblackpod. You know, I know inflation is capitalist credit. Inflation is hitting the economy. You know, but if you can support the real, support the real hell black. You feel me? Patreon.com slash hellblackpod. We need your support. You feel me? Shout out to all the patrons who support through the thick and thin. And yeah, tap in with us. Support the real. And we can also look at it like, okay, you might not be able to get money to support on Patreon, but like sharing our stuff. Can I hold a dollar? Yeah. Or even like, you feel me? Like sharing it will also go a long way because it helps us combat, again, like the corporation stuff that we talked about last week, right? So even if you can't be a patron, there's way more ways that you can Mm -hmm. support that might be able to lead to some type of financial backing for us, right? Uh, There might be five star reviews. Yeah, there might be folks who got these little businesses that want, that are looking for ad placements. That we aren't able to connect with because again we don't have the corporate backing and Apple isn't putting us on the front page of their podcast section. Spotify isn't putting us on the front page of their podcast. Even section. though we regularly we be charting, we're doing more we numbers be, than a lot. We of be people. charting. I'm like, bro, we be charting internationally, Belize, and African country. I'm like, man, it's, but hey, you know. So again, if you're not a patron, our call of the day is man to leave that comment to post our stuff on. Whatever socials you got to share with somebody just so we can keep our numbers. Because we got to combat the state propaganda. It's heavy Straight out up. there. We ain't going to do the same numbers as Top Gun. We ain't going to do the same numbers <laughs> as Stranger Things. We're not going to do the same numbers as CNN. We ain't going to do the same numbers as Fox. We need to be able to combat, combat this state-backed propaganda. Especially, what, what's the but, quote but, you was talking about from the CIA, CIA the other day? Their mission is done when they... when the, when, when everything, everything Americans they believe, believe is not true. It's actually not true. <laughs> you feel me? Like, we got to combat yeah. that, bro. You got the CIA directors in the 1970s saying we own anyone of any significance in the media industry. Both and knowingly they, and unknowingly. Knowingly and unknowingly and creating, you feel me? They created hella different, uh, hella different media companies to control information. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So that, that's what we up against. We up against capitalist imperialism. So support the real, man. Come on. We, we got to. We got to. On this, I guess well, we know we're going to kick it off with Black Joy. Last episode, we waited to the end. Uh, we're going to kick it off. So, again, if you are on Twitter, Instagram, you know, hit us up. Maybe the DMs is the best way, actually, on, like, Twitter and Instagram, because neither one of us are active enough to be checking the ads and we'll be asking people <laughs> to DM us on Twitter if you fuck with not us specifically DM, DM Hella Black Pod yeah. on Instagram and Twitter so and t- tell us your black joy so we can share with the people because again uh, we gotta come or back or even tweet it if you want you feel yeah. me Let's tweet at Hella Black Pod DM it whatever you I'm want not, to do I'm not committing to checking the DM to checking the ads but I will see the DMs that's a lot easier yeah a lot easier to see I check the ads anyways every, right. every few days but. well Abbas is, is that is my that commitment, commitment for this month. If you don't get your shit read, blame him. Uh, That's crazy. I mean, shit. I just said I'm not doing it. And then you <laughs> said you would. Uh, but yeah, share your black joy because with all this. And that's what I'm finding again, reading Soledad Brother, thinking about what's coming up in the month of August or what's here in the month of August and the things that we have going on pro- program-wide. Um, just you got to find joy. You know, we go harping all the time. You got to find joy, especially in this very dismal and painful world that white supremacist capitalism has uh, created. And so kick it off for us. Like, or do we don't have anyone to share? Is there any pictures? No, I don't know. All right. Well, that's also a drop ball on y'all because y'all, y'all should know the routine by now. Y'all know yeah, the we dropped the episode last week. So, Tap you know. in with the black joy. <laughs> I ain't seen that on here. I ain't seen that on the Patreon. But, hey, well, you want to kick it off? Uh, you can go ahead. I did last time. Bet. Um... Shoot, I just met some family that I haven't met before, you know, under, you know, unfortunate circumstances, but 
being able to meet family that I haven't met and just spend some time with them and getting to know them, that, that brought me a lot of joy. Uh, especially, you know, being in the Republic of New Africa, too. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, you know, good to be around family, good to kick it, see my little cousins and stuff, you know, so that's some of my joy. That's always a joyous moment when you can break bread with the fam, especially when you think about how it's been such a long time coming, you know, the conditions that are led to your family being separated. I, I think, uh, yeah, can never take that for granted. Like it's unfortunate. Yeah, I want to say unfortunate. It is unfortunate circumstances to some extent, um, but also understanding that, you know, we don't die. You know what I'm saying? So it's straight up. <laughs> you know, we don't so, die. They do. Yeah. But, um, and my auntie would have been happy. Yeah. <laughs> I know she was smiling. It's a win-win. You know. Knowing everybody in the house, oh, yeah. you know, playing cards, eating good food, being in the community. So, to God we belong, to God we return. Yes, sir. I would say for me, really just happened yesterday. That's why I hit you. I seen, I believe her last name is Golf. I don't know how to pronounce it, but Coco Golf, the uh, tennis player. player. Bro, I have seen a lot of professional athletes play in person, like really close. I've seen Lamar Jackson. I've seen Marcus. I've seen Marshawn. I've seen Steph. I've seen Clay. I don't think I've seen LeBron. Have I seen LeBron? Nah. And I've seen like some world-class like track athletes, you know, like playing high school sports. You know, you see like the niggas who go league or professional. Like, yeah. You know, you didn't play with niggas. Like, you feel know I me? Mean? Like, so you, you know, know you, you know that talent. You know, like you yeah. see, bro, that was... Mm. I'm like mesmerized. Like I've been thinking about it, bro. I'm just like I, I text you, like bro. No, don't no, turn this shit on right now. <laughs> like don't turn this shit on right now. Like nigga, neither one of us watch tennis. Yeah. You feel me? Like I mean, we know about it, you know. But I'm like, no, you, bro. Just seeing what she was able to do. She's 18 years old now. I'm like, damn, I couldn't. And she, I mean, she beat Venus when she was 16. Yeah. But she just was. She massacred this Ukrainian woman. Like it was. <laughs> it's more than one war being fought over there right now. <laughs> Oh it's shit! More, it got it's a lot more to worry about than Putin. You feel me? <laughs> Coco Golf is terrorizing the country, uh, bro. Like, oh my! She God. about to, uh, she about to play. I, I seen her play too. For real? Yeah. Yesterday? Yes. What? It was crazy. That's crazy. It was just a luck of the draw because uh, you buy like tickets for the rounds bought, or some yeah, shit yeah, for oh. a certain session. And yeah. It got pushed back, and realistically, they wasn't supposed to let us in. But like the folks was so caught up, they wasn't really doing their jobs. Like they, they just. Saw you walk in and assumed you're supposed to be at that session. And, you know, Dorita's hella into uh, tennis, and that's that's why I went. Yeah. Uh, that's what's up. Bro, shit was, like, mesmerizing. I'm pretty sure if you watch on ESPN Plus, they got the re- the, re- yeah. the replays. And then her, her and Naomi play tomorrow. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. It was difficult for Black August, though, to be there, you know, because I had to break my fast there. Some fucking and chicken and french fries. All halal, not made the same. Nah, they had the halal boys or some shit there. For real? It was gross. Oh, the circle shit that they be in the plate? Uh, like uh, the whole brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's disgusting. That is, uh, bro, I know exactly what you're talking about. Bro. Do you ever see me eat it? I, I don't. I am. They a chain though, huh? Yeah, they a chain. Yeah, they like, a chain. Yeah, I'm like all halal for sure. Not made. <laughs> I hate when niggas act like it is. Oh yeah, no, like, that shit was it was nasty. But no, back yeah. to it, just the halal boy. I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. To see her though, like bro, hella she, dry and bland. <laughs> hella nasty. <laughs> no dishes. I mean, whatever. They a chain, but uh, that's probably the. That's like I'll never forget seeing her play live. Eighteen years old, bro. She was washing her. Things she was able to do with her body. Excuse me, side to side agility, strength, power. And I didn't know in tennis when you warm up, you warm up with your opponent. 
feel me? Like y'all warm up, like doing swings against each other. Yeah. And I was just like, you could tell, like the the Kalalina or whatever her name was. She was like, fuck, bro. She won. I don't know the correct terminology, but like the match was the two matches were six to one. So I think she won. I don't know if it's a set. Six one six zero. She only won one uh, set. Is that what it's called? I she only won one. It was yeah, essentially she, she got. It's a shutout. Yeah, shutout. You feel me? Like it was a shutout, and it was the one she won. She barely got that one. Like yeah. she was getting served. And it was just dope to see. Oh, like, this games little, won. Yeah, games. So she won one game. It was just dope to see like this little black girl. She from Florida. Yeah. Uh, do her thing. She 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 was going crazy. So that's that was my joy. First time going to see tennis. Uh, I'll probably go back. It's definitely like a one of those. I mean, like all professional sports in America have that white. Now tennis is you know feel it's a, to it's it. A very different. Tennis have a like country club. It's like yeah. tennis and golf. You feel me? It's like the country club sports. I don't know if that's fucked up. Eh, no, nah, it ain't fucked up. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, look what it's, they look what they at. Yeah, like when, <laughs> uh, I think the Wimbledon was going on, and like there's there's hella certain there's hella rules to tennis. You feel me? Like what you can wear and what you can't wear. Yeah. And the bro, one bro who was in the finals. He wore like red Jordans or something and like broke the call to Wimbledon because he's supposed to wear white. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. Whatever. I'm finna do this. Yeah. It's, it's very much like, even you feel me? When I think about going to Raiders games versus to going games anywhere else, like the Raiders when they was in Oakland, that didn't feel <laughs> like you was at a white sport. You know what I'm saying? Like, although it's all niggas playing it, whatever. But yeah. versus going to a game in Arrowhead, you know, in uh, Kansas City, it's very, very different. But yeah, shout out Coco Golf doing her thing. Only 18. I couldn't imagine the type of. Pressure she under, but yeah, that, that was my Black Joy. Yeah, that's what's up. I guess we can. This is the episode of Black Joy because we're gonna be talking about our trip uh, to the continent that we took. What was that the, from like June? That was June, yeah. From like June fifteenth or something till we came back. I think the first of July. Shout out to uh, Epe, who was a longtime supporter of Hella Black and People's Programs for. Uh, leading that trek back home, and shout out to AB. I believe it was them. Well, it, I, it was them two who had first been in contact about going back, uh, and then me, bossing Emmy went. And I don't know if you want to kick it off. What we we did Johannesburg, Ghana. Johannesburg, Accra, yeah, and Lagos, mm-hmm. <laughs> the trifecta right there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Epe for making sure we we got in Nigeria and got out of Nigeria. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, people ask me how the trip was, and I'm like, it's kind of, I have a hard time formulating all the words. That made me that made you know, me feel like, bad when I didn't have words, too. I'm like, damn, like, did I not appreciate the trip enough? Like, no, nah, I appreciate it, but yeah. I think it's something that just words can't always describe. It was, it was kind of a feeling, you feel mm-hmm. me? It was a feeling that. Just being back there is like it's a lot at once too. I think you you or we'll be able to process it more, giving more time. You know what I'm saying? But I have like, been like since I've been back, I've been like feeling like normal, like random things just pop up in my head. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just a a wild. Uh, you know, because you always talk about or there's always, especially as black people, new Africans here in America is like, oh, going back to Africa, going back to Africa. You know, and then you there, and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> like damn you like there like what what's going on <laughs> you feel me and then you just see how vast and huge it is like then you also see like the the impact of slavery and colonialism and neo-colonialism it's like oh shit it's very much sensory overload and like emotional and physical it was 
it was while it was like times where I was like, ooh, I could like break down and just cry for hours, but also like I can't even tell if the cry is like a joyous versus like it's hard to tell like what emotions I was feeling at any, at any given moment. I also think like when go when I go back, I'm gonna do the trip differently. Of course, like after going home can be a once in a lifetime type of thing, you know. So it's like we had all those different excursions and like going out and like that was also draining. I had never done like, nothing like that before. Like where for sixteen or fifteen days, like every day you doing something, every day, and then you traveling across like four hour drive here to do like a three hour, four hour tour of something, and standing up and talking, then four hours back, and then you gotta go to dinner, which is thirty minutes away, and then you going out at night. It was, it was just a lot physically, but. For sure, when it's once in a lifetime. Yeah, you got to make it. <laughs> make the most. Cause you don't know when you're going to get yeah. back. And I think it's like, you know, you make a, a five-mile trip, but a five-mile trip out here versus in the continent <laughs> is way different. <laughs> it is way different in terms of the roads, streets and stuff. You feel me? You're getting car sick. <laughs> like, it's all different, all different types of conditions. But, yeah, just going back and seeing... It's one thing to read about neocolonialism, you know what I'm saying, and reading Krumah and have these ideas of it and then just to see it in actuality, you know, to especially in like South Africa, you know what I'm saying, just seeing a certain development in Johannesburg and seeing all the wealth in Johannesburg, then you drive 25 minutes to Soweto, mm-hmm. you know, and it is dirt, dirt roads, lack of plumbing, you know, shanty towns. All segregated that look like Hunger Games, you know what I'm saying? To where they still have the like those tall like space lights, I think they were called. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that was like signifying that curfew from curfews. You <laughs> feel me? Like, and those lights still work. Like they still use them. <laughs> yeah. And just seeing the the remnants of apartheid. I mean, it's still apartheid. You know, it's you hear about Mandela. You know, I, I know my first trip to South Africa was like, oh, I heard about Mandela. Apartheid ended, and I went to Cape Town, and I'm like, what? Durban, I'm like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. This yeah. segregation is insane. Like, so just seeing all that, wow. And it's like how you can recognize, like, I even think about the segregation here, but how it's, it's uh, kind of like, what would you call it? Like, hidden through all the tall, like, buildings and infrastructure. Like, when you erase the skyscrapers, when you erase these highways, what do you get left with? You get left with, you feel me, certain people living on this side. And once you're not in this area no more, you might live in the same, okay, you might live in the same, like you might, okay, you might have black folks and whites in West Oakland. But once you cross a certain street, now the quality of the houses are different. Now, if you go a little bit further, now it's people living in, if you look at Wood Street, that should look just like some of the spots we was in Soweto. If oh, you yeah. just put a little less, if you put just dirt on the ground, that shit look just like the stuff we were seeing in Soweto, except for as opposed to dirt, we got just uh like I mean over there it's I mean you just have and shit. dilapidated concrete and <laughs> oh, yeah. big ass potholes where yeah. it's like actually the dirt road is smoother to drive on. Yeah. <laughs> but like you're not seeing all the tall skyscrapers out there, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not the Salesforce Tower, there's not the Uber building, the old Sears building, there's not the Tribune, the old hotels. Bay Bridge, you know. You know, like yeah. you don't and so ours is kinda hidden here. Right versus out there, it's like just these vast empty vast lands where it's, like, it's of, too easy to see. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's too easy to see, and that was it was wild again. Like you said, to read about all these places and to, to physically be there, especially Ghana. I hadn't studied that much on uh, South Africa, and uh, excuse me, 
what was the group? NCU? The N what well, fuck, I wish I remembered. What was the group that they had to split? With Mandela? A N C. A N C A N C, yeah. I hadn't studied that much about them, but then going to Ghana where it's like, you know, we've immersed ourselves in the Nkrumah's writing in, in so many ways and in his life. Um to be there, to go to uh, you know, where they had the independence ceremony. I can't remember what that what that stadium is called. Go there. The, what was it, the Freedom Square? I can't remember. Then we got on top of that building with the big black star, the star yeah. to go to uh, Christian Borg. Christian like, Borg Castle, yeah. Yeah, like to see all those things. Like, damn, like I've read about these places. And sometimes when I read, I don't even look up, you know, like I look it up, but not with like images. You know, I'll just look at it and read, read, this, it. read yeah. whatever descriptors and whatnot. Um, but to see these places, especially Ghana. I, I, I Yeah. I can't, it's hard to say, okay, what was your favorite place? Because, like, all of them had something to offer. I will say seeing all them crackers in Johannesburg got, like, super draining after a while. Uh, I remember the first day, I'm like, damn, I didn't expect to see no white people here, but I, for, I had to remember where I was South at. Africa, you feel me? Yeah. I had to remember where I was at. Uh, South Africa is a different place, bro. Especially the way they tell the history. Of course, always, you know, the settler going to tell the history, but mm-hmm. the way they tell the history of, like, oh... Africa is the center place of humanity, humanity. and so for these, us to return these here, Europeans returning home, home. They're like, returning home. Like, nigga, what the fuck? This really says this shit in an apartheid museum. Like, this is what they're talking about. It's justification for yeah. settler colonialism. Yeah, like they say, oh, they belong, and then they call themselves Afrikaners. Like, bro, you speak German and Dutch. You is a European. You is mm-hmm. not, you ain't, you ain't supposed to be here. You know, but that's why you, shit, you drive through Soweto, you see graffiti saying one settler, one bullet. And they're trying, they're still trying to free the land. You feel me? Yeah. And they just have neocolonialism built in. But that's a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> well, I mean, no, we, 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 you know, we process. I really enjoy Ghana. That well, You still remember the first restaurant we went to? Start with a B. Buka or something? Oh, God. That chicken was hella good, bro. That, that jollof. Mm. Mm. That mm. shit, that, that chicken, mm. plantains, that jollof, that... Sorbet I had at the end. Ooh, that shit was clutch. The uh, the, the other spot beer, was hard too. The pineapple Zen Garden. Zen Garden. That's probably my favorite place. And what I sound uh, like a Chinese restaurant, but it, it was no Chinese. Nah, food. yeah. What I was so what I was know. thinking about Zen Garden <laughs> is that Someone you can be like, oh, you said a Chinese place was your favorite. <laughs> nah, hell no. Chinese Imperial was not nah, hell no. <laughs> but uh, what I was thinking when we was at Zen Garden, especially like how they had like the live performance and everybody dancing and shit. I'm like, okay, you can you can see where. The traditional African culture is still, it's like trying to arise out of the rubble of neo-colonialism, right? Like, excuse me, you still see it in like the clothes that folks wear, again, because of the transnational corporations, you know, these big ass corporations that are able to be, be, uh, have their different factories in the different lands or whatnot, and then be able to market themselves and distribute over there. Uh, But just seeing all them people dance, bro. Like, that's just not what the. And to some extent, it is in certain places. Like, you get like the go go scene in DC. Uh, you get certain parts in the South where people really be dancing. You get in Atlanta, Texas. But what about the hyphy movement? Yeah, but like, I'm talking about in the club, though. Yeah. You feel me? Like, niggas is not dancing in no club out here. Niggas is. It's popping bottles, you feel me, standing up on the phone recording themselves. You feel me, the girls is just recording themselves. You know what I'm saying? You might get a little two-step. Nigga, we was in there, the motherfuckers dance from the moment that we was in there till niggas left. Like, I'm talking about people was drenched in sweat 
And I, from the youth, you they had the college kids there to like the folks that was our age in their 30s to the OGs. The OGs. Bruh, danced Everybody. all night. And that was, I'm like, oh my God, yes. Like, yes, I love this shit. That reminded me back when we was kids. That kids, it wasn't no standing on the wall. Like, the parties was cracking. You go again. You go to certain things now. It's like, bro, you don't really be dancing. You know what I'm saying? Once you go, uh, we got to go to a uh, Afro Beats club or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so that that was that was amazing. But, I, I came back with a few new dance moves. So, bro, and I was talking to Ko <laughs> about this because I was just he was playing some music the other day. He was like, bro, why does like when I play Afro Beats do I like feel like I learn moves that I didn't even know I had? <laughs> bro, you, you start like, doing nah, I'm like, bro, just bring it out of you. You feel me? Like, bro, that's that. That's what's engraved in you. You feel me? It's like, bro, calling home for real. Oh, hey, like, it's bringing it's, what's it's, so, what, it's what, like a heartbeat. Nigga, it's bringing what has been suppressed inside of you. Like, but they suppressed us. You feel me? Like, you couldn't do the drums and shit on them plantations. It was a lot of shit that really been suppressed. But a point that we should, of course, we don't have the time for it today. But I think in a future episode, we should talk about, like, what it looks like for traditional African culture to arise out of neocolonialism and how even then it's still, like, it's like having this conversation with Q where it's like, even like, to call something Nigeria, you feel me? That's like in a response to colonialism. You feel me? Like that's not what the land was. That's not what yeah. the area was called. You know. And when we even say like traditional African culture, like every tribe gonna have their different. You feel me? Yeah. Like what they consider their tradition. You feel me? What they you know they all had their different traditions. Yeah. And that was also wild being again reading about tribalism, but then like seeing it. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Or seeing people talk about it, and it's like yeah, especially like in Nigeria. You see that tribal that tribal stuff run deep, and learn how they how it was used as a mechanism by the colonizers. You, you feel know, me to, to divide and conquer, and seeing it still and, show up today. You know, and you got to to talk about Pan Africanism. You have to address tribalism because again, it'll be a as much as it can be used for a mechanism of divide and conquer. It has to be applied. It it is a part of the process of. Revolution, right? Even if you look at from like a intercommunal standpoint up into uh, to the to the nation, you know what I'm saying? Ultimately, the entire continent, the diaspora, we are gonna have our different sectors who like to do things a little way. And as long as it's not uh, detriment to the overall movement of Pan Africanism, mm-hmm. it should be able to, to exist. You oh know yeah, what I'm definitely. Saying? But people. If you bring up tribalism, it always have this na- this negative. Like, oh, we'll see, we'll never be able to. You know, like, nah, they'd, be, like, like a, they'd be very defeated. You feel about me? It. If we over here on on fifty fifth like to do things a little different than the people on sixty, if that don't make us, we, as long as we not stopping the people on sixty from reaching their full potential and achieving their happiness, as long as our mission of happiness doesn't intrude on that, and their mission of happiness doesn't intrude on ours, bro, like that's what. There's no reason why we can't get along. You know, like <laughs> we, we sh- like. And then we unify when we need to unify. Do you feel me? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what it is. Like, all right, man. And we all unify towards, again, the development of all human beings in the sustain in the sustainability of the planet. Mm-hmm. And that don't mean, like, you know, we all going to be looking one way, talking one way, moving one way. Like, nah, that's not how it's going to work. Yeah. And you got to accept that. But we that's can't use that as uh, methods of dividing us, separating us, you know? That's why revolutionary culture has to be developed. You feel me? That addresses... A different tribalism, you feel me? Even the tribalism that we have here, because we we it's tribalism. You know, we might not have the same type that's back on the continent, you know, but we have different tribalism type type of actions and behaviors, you know. But that's why revolutionary culture unifies us for yeah. a common goal and a common objective. Without you know? question. Sure. Another thing too was just seeing, uh, especially especially reading uh, consciousism and mm-hmm. philosophical consciousness and seeing why. 
Nkrumah developed that theory. Uh-huh. That, you know, it's you got Christians, you got Muslims, you got the traditional beliefs, and you just see how, especially like in Nigeria, there is that conflict, you know, amongst Christians and Muslims and why it has to, or North and South, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's divided along colonial territories, but you see why he was articulating it, you know what I'm saying, to develop revolution. Ultimately, you feel me? Because a lot of Marxist Leninists, but ah, just forget about religion. We can't talk about it, I mean, and that's not the case. To forget about uh, <laughs> it's to forget about Africa. Straight up, to forget about Africans. Straight up, and like any anyone who considers themselves a quote unquote dialectical historical materialist has to acknowledge the role that re- that religion has and will always play in the uh, advancement of society, specifically revolution. You feel me? We talking about literally seizing the means of production and distribution of wealth from the capitalist elites. Religion has always played a role. Yeah. And if we talking about again, leading up to the armed struggle post, you're going to religion will always exist as a means to advance society. What it is? Yeah. <laughs> to to advance society in the most equitable, humane way, if it's you know taught the proper ways and wielded properly, that's as it should be. Yeah. Nigeria, I'm sure y'all have heard about the airports there. <laughs> I don't want to be like, bro, it was wild because I had, I had, uh, or Darian has sent me like some clips of like people, like YouTube motherfuckers talking about their experience in Nigerian airport because I was telling them we was in that, <laughs> essentially the holding tank. She was like, oh yeah, like she sent me a video like, damn, nah, like this is the thing. And I had like my cousin say some, you had Epe say some, but I'm like, no descriptor, no one telling you could have prepared us for that, ever. I would, cons- I, would con- I would compare it to a jail holding tank, except for you can keep your personal belongings on you, and you know at some point you're getting out, to some extent. There was at one point, I'm like, niggas, we ever getting out to But You seeing shift changes, new employees come in. It was hot. It was hot. small. It was nasty. And that's that's the other thing we got to speak about. Too. Broken chairs. Yeah, is that it's insane how the content, the 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 richest continent in the world in terms of natural resources. And Nigeria, one of the richest, got one of the, I think the most oil mm-hmm. out of any African country. It, it continues to speak to what imperialism does, right? Where it takes the natural resources from a place, goes in, uh, and refines it, finalizes it, and then sells it back to these people, right? Sometimes. You, know, you might not even get it back, right? Uh, but we looked at the infrastructure of the airports. You know, the planes that we was flying on. Bro, if you're talking about the the aluminum and metal that's being used to make these planes, to make these engines, to make the technology that flies. To make them in, batteries. You know, and you realize that we flying on planes from the 80s while Elon Musk is taking private jets from San, San Jose. Francisco to San Jose. <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, that's insane, bro. It was, I turned on the AC, like, the, well, I didn't, the AC on my shit was on and it was leaking. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? Like, small, outdated, and who's, like, I've been reading some of that, brother, this month. I mean, not even having computers at some of the airports, you feel me, to where it's like Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And what makes the computers all resources stolen from the continent? And America got computers, Britain yeah. got computers, Europe yeah. got computers. But you had a, a airport in Togo and they ain't got no computers. You had an airport in Johannesburg, they don't have a computer. Where they checking stuff off of off of a list. 
having to use their own cell phone to communicate with each other. Like, what? Hey, and we're reading Soledad Brother this month for for Cadre One and people's programs. And with early on in, in his letters to like his father and his mother, George is talking about, you got to know who's, who's, who's the real, who's really at fault for all of this, for all the things that I feel towards you, for all the things that you feel towards me, for all the experiences that we've had. We have to know who's really at fault. And it is the people who control the world. And in this imperialist world, it is the white supremacist capitalist, right? And so we understand why the plane is old. We understand why they have no computers. We understand why they were using laundry baskets at TSA. We understand why there was a kiddie pool in the middle of the airport collecting liquids from Dropping a broken from the pipe. Yeah. Come on, my nigga. While there's literally a brand new terminal next door that is closed and isn't open. But. You mean to tell me that the, the nation of Nigeria, the people of that entire nation have to fly on planes from 1970 and 1980s while the capitalist of this world, the, the, you have to realize there are more, the masses is not the capitalist. This is, what did you list, like 700 families or something? What is it, however many, what's the shit I mean, that Jalil is always Googling? Alexa, and he'd be asking, what is it? <laughs> Whatever. All, all the wealth who, all the, who control, you know, it's like six of eight, who are, six of eight people control, who are American control half of the world's wealth. So you can so you tell reality, me nations don't have only, access. There's only a few capitalists. It's <laughs> a few people who get to have access to use the world's materials as they see fit. And meanwhile, nations, millions and millions and millions of people have to live in poverty, have to live with not being able to maximize the infrastructures and the advances that technology has made. That don't make no sense to me. In what world? Because of what? You can't say it's hard work because we know that all these people got their money from slavery. What gives them the right? Don't say because they worked for it. We can't say that. We know for a fact that Europe, Europe has gained its wealth. Euro-America has gained its wealth through rape, pillage, massacre, slavery, and in present day, the exploitation of soul labor by the worker. The robbing of the resources of nations. And Shit, using slave labor still. Still using slave labor. <laughs> what them prisons is. So what? What? What gives them the right to be able to have their private jets, their twelve bedroom homes, multiple cars, and a nation of people can't even have access to a plane that was made in the last four years, five <laughs> years, ten years at that. Yeah. That they can't even have actual metal bins to collect to go through TSA. Shoot, clean water. That they can't fix a leak <laughs> in a matter of seconds. The richest continent in the world does not can, cannot fix a leak in a matter of seconds. They have to put a kiddie pool in the middle of the airport. We was walking through the airport, half the lights was out. It was like a start no to a scary AC. movie. We walked into that Delta uh little room and they in there with one fan. One fan, not an AC, a, a room fan, the fan that I have in my room. To cool me off, just one person, one body that I keep directly next to my bed. You're talking about a fan that was in the corner of the room. Why is it that a nation of people have to be subjected to this while six to eight people get to just live? <laughs> and the workers. Like, you talking about the workers for a quote-unquote American company, and this is how they're being treated? But they're Nigerian. But we're going over to places to establish <laughs> democracy. That's what the Americans say. We're going over to establish democracy and freedom. 
what's really going on, man? We got to ask ourselves these questions. Neocolonialism. What's really going on? What is the primary contradiction in, in Africa, United States, NATO, pan-Europeanism? They are the enemy. They are the enemy. It always will be until the land is free, until the people is free. But, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's <laughs> was like... I mean, you think about, we was talking to uh, Sadiq and what he was saying, like, y'all have, and my, my boy Bradley was saying the same thing, like, y'all have family that don't have access to electricity 24 hours a day. And you think about how, I mean, what, what, what neocolonialism does, right, for the mother colony, it allows its subjects that are still being exploited to have just a little bit more luxury, right? So over here, An imperial court, you know, you we know. might spend, if you live in Tracy and working in, you know, Fremont or the Oakland, you know, you might spend four hours a day in transit, 12-hour shift. Only the rest of your time is that is able to sleep, but you got electricity, you got a car. That is not freedom, right? It's not freedom, but at least you can say you got electricity twenty four hours a day. Uh, and so, what neocolonialism does is again it allows the 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 colonial subject of the mother colony, uh, their working class, their masses, to have a little bit more than what the neo colony has. But we both being exploited. Mm-hmm. And you got to give the people the the, the colonial class and. Mother territory a certain amount so they don't rise up because they see everything around them. You see the 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 result of pillage, the result of imperialism in the mother colony, and you got to keep those people subjugated. You feel me? You got to keep them people docile, keep them people buying into consumerism so they don't rise up. They don't get they <laughs> don't get because every time workers do rise up, you feel mm-hmm. me? They come with concessions to stop the rebellions. You feel me? Every time, oh, unionizing, oh, we'll come with some concessions, but don't overthrow capitalist imperialism. <laughs> they don't know? get they don't get their electricity in Nigeria, so that we can get our targets in our AMC movie theaters and our Starbucks and our Yo. Jamba juices over here. <laughs> Yo, electric hybrid. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't get their electricity over there, so that we can get ours over here, and so that they can continue to make a profit. So that the, it's not about it's not that we both can't have electricity. Is that in order for us to maximize profit. the profit of the superstructure? Somebody can't get it. Mm-hmm. Somebody can't get it. For and these, you over here, you gonna pay for you gonna pay for the high. That's why everybody uh, PGD bills PG&E. inside shit. Man, shit, I gotta go pay the PGD. You feel me? I forget. Like it ain't like it's like <laughs> I'm gonna have a request on Venmo for your ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's real shit though. That's <laughs> you know, like you can't gas prices. Like yeah, you ain't. They uh, might not have nothing over here. You can get it over here. You are gonna have to do this. In order this, for us to this, make that profit and this. It's going to come at a price when this shit is on the earth for everybody. What makes it so that these companies and their CEOs get to determine who gets the gas and determine the prices? That's a natural resource. That should be for the people. Through a democratic state. Should be for the people. Through a democratic state. Period, point blank. It shouldn't be all out anarchy and we all be out there just pumping our gas. That's how we end up in right back to where the fuck we are. Because somebody's going to be stronger. Somebody gonna be able to rally their families and their stronger families more than some other people, right? That's how we'll get right back to who we are. This should be all the world's natural resources should be used for the betterment of the entire world, and it should be through the process of a democratic state. The people, a state or a government that represents the needs of the people. That's how it should function. Who gets to determine that? Who who gets to say that we have better planes than the that the capitalists of, of America's? The, the capitalists in America have better planes than the nation of Nigeria. Who gets to say that? And why? Are these niggas God? <laughs> Who get, what gives them the right? Like, we got to ask ourselves. What they gives they them the right? They have no right. They Elon Musk, no right. What, what, what allows him to own Tesla 
and you have to work there and you can't even afford that motherfucker. You can barely keep your most most people are commuting are spending more money commuting Don't to get to the job. Me. But they want to talk about save up <laughs> amass wealth. NFTs and Bitcoin. And then blame you for wanting to go buy some shoes or going out to eat. Wanting some new clothes. You what Jory said, you gotta know who's who is the actual culprit. You gotta know who to be really be mad at. Feel me? It's, it's not your. <laughs> you feel me? Capitalists. Don't be mad at yourself. It's pan-Europeanism. This decision was made for you four hundred years ago. Don't be mad at yourself. Before you was even born. <laughs> Don't be mad at yourself. Before you was even born. And yeah, we probably all could work a little harder, but we should be working harder for the right things. For the development for the of humanity, for the development <laughs> of yourself, and for the development of your people. Not this nation. <laughs> I'm talking about the oppressed the African nation. nation. <laughs> you feel me? Whatever, whatever your nation might be, whatever if you're your not society into America. Puerto Rican, your Puerto Rican nation, man. You, you feel know, me? <laughs> wherever it is, you have a right to a national self-determination, to national independence. You have that right. It is your human right to be free. It is your human right to be housed. It is your human right to have water. It is your human right to have resources to live. But what the capitalism does, it says those human rights are only for the capitalists, quote unquote. You only, the capitalist class is only able to control it. So that's our reflection on Africa. We might Actually, have a, we so might have to course. do a part two. We'll do a part two for sure. We should do a part two. We should for me call in on some of the folks we went on. Yeah. Part two, but that's all of it. And start to think about again, uh, who is the correct enemy? Who should who should you be mad at? Not yourself, not the people, not your community at all times. It's, it's them capitalists. They created these superstructures. They created this reality. It's out of your control. Don't matter nobody that you that didn't have no control over this. But what is in our control is fighting back. It's organizing. Feel me? It's coming together as a people and saying we got enough. We've had enough of this and organizing for our true independence. That's what we do have control of. So let's take control of our of our destiny. Let's take control of our humanity. Realize our humanity. Realize, like George said, fascism is already here. Now let's get together and let's get busy in the name of freedom, in the name of, of humanity. Before we end episode 131, I do have one black joy to share from um, someone not on the podcast. KO said his black joy is cookouts, being fly, Sunday drives, and talking shit. It's, it's a great way to end the episode right there. <laughs> That's your time. <laughs> I thought I turned that shit off when we got to the last minute.